Hi, welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolo. And uh, we're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant on Main Street, Bridgehampton. You can look them up at BridgehamptonInn.com. And we are on, what's the station? 88.3 WPPB-FM. Oh, you did that so well. So, hey. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, 2020. Did you have a good holiday? Um, Yeah. I sounded really unsure about no, that. Well, you oh, had a very, very loaded time. There's a lot of disappointment and loneliness during the holidays. Oh, I didn't have any of that. So no, no, I, I actually chose to be alone most of the time. Like, Eric and I were alone on Christmas, and that's never happened before. But but it's the it's the getting back into work thing. Somebody posted on uh, Facebook yesterday. They're like, a reminder, today is Thursday because we're taping this show on Friday. You know, because yesterday felt like a Monday. Right. I was time traveling. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, m- many holidays I've, I've loathed getting back to work, but I, I'm actually really happy with the work I'm doing now. So I actually started this is writing the ben, ben Franklin on, stuff? Yeah, I started writing on New Year's Day because I was just like, I'm, I just wanted to get back into it. So, Well, um, that's funny. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a good thing to start your year off, you know. Yeah, no, just it's, it's just a state of mind. And, and, uh, and you know, uh, this will be taping on uh, the day of the Golden Globes. What it will be mean? Airing? Airing, airing. we're taping it today. Uh, well, that's what I meant. But it's airing in the future. And so uh, I don't know if you've seen any movies. I saw a lot of movies over the, the holiday. Did you break. see The Parasite? I did see Parasite. I didn't see it. Is it amazing? Um, it was uh, for me. It was really interesting. I, I like Asian filmmaking uh, has a different tempo and pace than I'm conditioned to. So, do you know what modern gets- uh, Asian filmmaking? I sometimes uh, the the gestures seem to be a little bit different than American filmmaking. Do you know what I majored in at Brown? I didn't know what you majored in, Brown. Japanese cinema. And. And I dropped out after a year. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, you know what gets parasites? Cats. Cats get parasites. Oh, and that's a nice segue. Uh, and why? And we are talking. We were talking about cats before we came on the How air. How can you not? I mean, it's just like the reviews are. I mean, it's sad. I mean, because they did put so, people with Don't so be much a hater. effort. Don't be. A I'm hater. not. I'm not. That's why I'm being compassionate. I, I think that it's interesting that like none of the casts are anatomically correct. I know. Well, I mean, well, we have a review online on uh, Indie. And who wrote that review? My Bridget? daughter Georgia. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, how are how are Maya and Eli doing this this? Uh, they're good. We, we had a great holiday. We had a great holiday. Uh, Eli actually played a New Year's Eve show down in Philadelphia, and Maya surprised them. Went down there and saw it. So you oh, know, that's you, nice. your kids hang out together. You're, you've succeeded. Well, let's something. talk about who our guests today. We've got. I, I'm so excited because I've known these guys as you have forever. But uh, Jerry Delafamina and Judy Licht, and uh, Judy's just started. Uh, you know, well, I guess about a year ago, almost uh, a podcast. The 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 news broads. Sounds like broadcast, but you could, that could have been the name as well. Broadcast. That could have been a good name. But uh, the, news, the news broads. <laughs> news right? broads. Yeah, it's her and Lynn White and and Gina Cerrito. And uh, it's really kind of like a deep dive into the direction that journalism is heading in. It's, That's cool. It's and, fantastic. And she's got the uh, the bones to like. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't. I, as we, you know, as we age, we get closer and closer in age. But I remember, you know, watching Judy on Channel Five in in New York, and her kind of not. I didn't even want to go into journalism at that point, but she was kind of like a hero because, you know, really um, beautiful woman, and yet asking really tough questions. We're gonna call a little uh, uh, gender card here. Would you ever say about a male journalist that was on anywhere? Would you ever begin with? He was a gorgeous man, and he asked tough questions. 
Yes. And our other guest, of course, is Jerry Delafemina. And when we started the Independent in 1993, it was it was me and Jim Mackin and Lee, Lee Minitri and Jody Jody Delafemina, Jerry's daughter. And then Jerry came on and for you know twenty something years wrote his incredibly popular Jerry's Inc. Column. Popular and provocative. Provide well, that's the thing because when we started the Independent, I was 29 years old and mm -hmm. I did not don't have a degree in journalism. I don't have a degree in anything. I heard you study Japanese cinema. <laughs> Who told you that? Anyway, but uh, but you know I remember it at the beginning because it was a provocative uh, paper and it was uh, Jerry in particular was provocative and still is stirring stuff up and uh, and people you know took very strong viewpoints and they would express them to me and I, I found myself very often like in tears because I didn't want everyone to hate me. You know what's so amazing though is like so we live in this this moment of time where information that we all live in our own silos of information and all the algorithms are there to kind of only give you what you've already digested. And when I think about uh, a newspaper like The Independent, I do think it, it was a provocative, and it is a provocative newspaper. You can read something and get different points of view in it. Uh, it's not just the news and the events. And I do think that that's something that, it's, if it's not missing, it's certainly something that has atrophied in our culture. Thank you. Um, and, and just to, to finish that story, Jerry's the one who, you know, I came into the office one day. I think this was back when we actually, like, delivered things by hand and that they were written on paper and they needed to be copied, copied like set. Uh, and, and I said, oh, just uh, so many people are being mean and whatever. And, and he said, what about the paper? And I said, yeah, they're, you know, it's hurting my feelings. He said, hey, if, if they hate it, it means they're reading it. There's no and bad just, press. Yeah, but I didn't know that. I mean, I was 30 years old. I think I was incredibly pregnant, too, with Joel. So, you know, it was just, it was really great to work with Jerry all those years and to have someone of his cachet, and, and, and Jerry, the original madman. If, if I remember correctly, Jerry, you know, cast a huge shadow in advertising before that. Yeah. Um, and so even that's something I'm always interested in. Uh, and I'm not saying this uh, in any, like, facetious way, but I think advertising is in many ways the greatest art form that, that oh, yeah. Western culture has created. Yes, yeah, so. it's to it's spiff, spiff something up yeah. and make it... But no, but it's also know, like the selling of ideas, the selling I mean. of lifestyles, the selling of all this stuff. And, and ultimately, we live in a society with a value system of consumption. Uh, we're all in January now, so we have resolutions, and we've just gotten past like the season of consumption or some version of that. Um, and But I do think there's art in that. I think that uh, in many ways we find our bliss as a society in consumption. Well, uh, we are also going to be talking about journalism. And and I know that sometimes you have said that, um, what is your, your line that you always say? Small uh, to mind. infinity and beyond? <laughs> I know you've gotten enough press for that one. No, screw to infinity and beyond. No, no. What you always say about um, small people think about no, yeah, no, no. It was what? an Eleanor Roosevelt line that I paraphrased, and, and she basically said, I don't know if it was small people. He said, you know, uh, some people uh, think about events, and, uh, you know, the higher-minded people think about ideas. Small minds uh, discuss other people. Average minds discuss events. Great minds discuss ideas. That's awesome. My father had a sign on our piano when I was growing up to encourage me. Who, and, and you know who said that? Or who? I have no idea. Your My father. father. Said it. Your father said it. <laughs> My father is the one who originally said, "You know what's the worst thing about having a mistress?" 
is you have to see Cats twice. And that's <laughs> a really good segue. That is truly a Warner Leroy joke. Um, so we are going to take a little break. We're going to come back with our guests, Judy Licht and Jerry Delafemina. You're listening to Bridget Leroy and Alex Socolo. Sun- Here on WPPB from the Bridgehampton Inn, it's a sunny 75-degree day <laughs> in Sagaponic where it never rains or snows. We're not in Sagaponic, we're oh. in Bridgehampton, but I All appreciate right. your enthusiasm. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Do I have to do everything myself? Get the story, write the story? Listen, sackhead, I can blow a better story out of my my nose than you can write. We're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we're bringing on our guests, uh, Judy Licht and Jerry Delafemina. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But right now, during the break, we were talking about politics. because Jerry's a Nazi. No, God, don't <laughs> even. Oh, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> You're absolutely right. No, no. No, he is the most socially liberal human being I know. Much more than a lot a of my liberals. A Nazi of love. <laughs> I love Nazi. I love Nazi. Wow. Sounds like a musical to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, Jerry, you're known for your, you know, conservative and Republican views. It's, the Independent was known as the Republican rag for and, a and while. How, well, and how did, how did your, because we were talking during the break uh, that you grew up in a Democratic household. Yeah. How did your uh, philosophy evolve? Oh, this one day at the age of seven or eight, I was walking on Avenue in Brooklyn with my father and there was everyone talking politics. And I said, Dad, what's the difference between a Democrat and a Republican? So my father said, well, a Democrat is for poor people like us, and a Republican is for rich people. And I said, I want to be rich. (laughs) (laughs) That's not bad. It was a no-brainer. That's not bad. And I want to ask Judy the same question, because you were saying during the the break. Yeah, well, I think that in my case, my father uh, and his father had a, a, a big a manufacturing company, and the union, which was also very corrupted, that there's, there's more to it, but right. unions, whatever. The unions in the 30s were nasty. Oh, they were either communist or they were yeah. already owned or by the mob or, yeah. you know, whatever. And they put him them out of business, essentially. Yeah. And so my father became a real Republican. Radical Republican. Radical, but not yeah. social. I mean, you right. know, I, nobody with half a brain, I mean, I, this is, I hope I'm not Offending anyone, but can not really on NPR. Only, only those <laughs> that have the question is: Is it fr- frontal lobe, <laughs> left lobe, right no, lobe? It's it's the right cheek it's and the, the left right cheek. cheek. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think that um, for me it was just following. You know, I idolized my father, and and I just thought, well, this is what sane people do. But I think what's interesting about mm. this conversation here around this table is that no matter what our backgrounds and where we stand in terms of party, very hard. To be a Republican now, let's face it. Yeah. Um, the the we all agree at this table, coming from very different backgrounds, that the middle is being ignored. I still believe the middle is the majority in this country, mm-hmm. but for some hideous reason, and we can get into the reasons, um, we've tur- we've become two tribes, and yeah. and it's my team or two right. teams. And, and, but I will say, and I've done a deep dive into Benjamin Franklin and you know, that period of time, and you know, I think one of the things that, that definitely was lost in my education and has lost been lost in, in the in the discourse is how 
there were always been two tribes. There's always been this this kind of very split, 48%, 48%, or even 49%. In this country or in humanity versus urban? One of the greatest uh, accomplishments in human history is from 1774 to 1776, the 13 colonies deciding, well, we'll, we'll all hang out together. Yeah. You know, and because they were so separate in their interests and their identities and everything, and that's always kind of But been then there's always the, the small minutiae of a neighbor against neighbor, like the Hatfields and McCoys. But listen, I want to I want to Right, no, but, but just to but follow this, though, right? Yes. Then, you, you know, you get Jefferson and Hamilton, you get a central government, or you get, like, states, right? You're Jefferson you get a, and Adams. And I think that's the conversation that actually gets lost in, in all of the uh, snow... Uh, the, the mud being slung in, in these days in, in journalism and media, whatever, is that we're actually not having that to talk about the idea of who we are and what we are and how do we get the most out of the American experience. Well, Judy made a really good, Judy Lick made a really good point yesterday when we were talking about um, how if you kind of watch local, and I, I, you know, I have a problem saying watch because I, I call television. I think Patty Chesky had it right with Call it the work. idiot box. No, I call it entertainment journalism because it's there to get Philo ratings. Farnsworth's and it's, folly. And it's there to it's there to stir stir up emotion. I, I think just like yeah. an ad like an ad is, but now that's what we've come to with TV news. But I still believe that local, like News Twelve or our local Long Island station, they're more likely to focus on some feel good stories or things where neighbors help each other, which is what you were saying, while national cable news is really there to to vilify and, and well, What's happened? What's happened is, as you've pointed out, more people had. This is before the internet, which has changed the whole yeah. algorithm totally. But people liked television because it was more entertaining. So people stopped reading papers as much as they had, although they were still reading papers. What we've evolved to now with an internet economy is all of the financial underpinnings of local newspapers have just disappeared. I mean, mm-hmm. retail stores are having problems. They can barely advertise or they don't exist. Um, the, all of the uh, the personals uh, and all of that have gone to the internet. Right. Um, and so all the sources, the main sources of income have folded and so local papers are folding. Right. And frankly, television is still making money but not back when I was working you know newsrooms were really big sources of income for television stations now not so much because right. people are getting they're not they're not reading they're not even watching they're right. checking out the internet or, or that's it but you also have the Sinclair group that mm-hmm. that is controlling most of the, the dialogue in local news broadcasts around the country so even there you don't quite know is it really local news well, well yeah. I, I want to hear what Jerry, Jerry has to say on this because you looked like you had something to say. And I we forgot. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at that age. Right? Uh, no, I, I, I think that, that local news has changed so much because it really basically, uh, on television, is about fires and recorded shots of people who are committing crimes. Right. Now, if, we, if these people who are committing crimes, you want to get these people back on the straight and narrow, you want to do something for them, Give them residuals for every time they appear on a recording robbing something. <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's fair. an odd it's, incentive. But isn't that it that is, you know be encouraging them to rob? Some of these guys do it two or three times. Hey, here I am again, robbing someone, someone else. Imagine they say, congratulations, in the mail. Residual. Right. You're broadcasting. Right. You're broadcasting. Because then you you're don't on. have to rob anyone anymore because no. you don't have the money. Hey, you don't, but what if you're robbing for pleasure? Well, uh, seriously, folks. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, right? Now over to you, Stan, with weather. No, now, you're, now you're back to no. advertising. No, right? Yeah, right. No, no, but like if Tip O'Neill said all politics are local, all news is really local news. Yes. And, and I'll go back to like what the difference between events and news, right? I did not realize how much weather was news. 
because knowing what's happening allows you to plan your life accordingly. A lot of the stuff you're talking about, fires or crime, they're events unless they purport to future things happening. Yes. Can I say something? Please do. The only only one here in local television news. Um, There were a couple of things that happened. One, the uh, consultants came in, and consultants said people really want to know about weather. This is like 15 years ago, and they're still harping on it. So you get weather every 15 minutes on the news instead of other news. Every five minutes. The main issue, though, is, again, it comes back to money. The stations are not making as much. These are not profit centers. And so consequently, they want to cut the budgets. What's cheap to cover? Crime. It comes across on the police radio. You send a cop. And now there's video. Everybody has, uh, you know, kind of video. They'll also do any exciting video from anywhere in the world because it's fun to watch. They'll play that as a story. And, and, And just to kind of also fold back into the conversation, it doesn't have to be political, but, you know, capitalism, unfortunately, is destined to cannibalize itself. And, and, what does happen in with with capitalism is t- to get profits you cut expenses and somewhere in that conversation the the conversation about content has to change well you know there that's one opinion it's not my own but um, <laughs> no but but i also think what's re- the real game changer here is you know the elephant in the room which is the internet and that's changed there's more information out there now than ever before but there's less knowledge because no one knows what to believe may, or what to think may maybe people are just dumber <laughs> Maybe people, seriously, are sitting there and saying, show me a fire. Last night, you want to see a car going off of a cliff? Yeah, That's right. what they showed last night. Watch this car go off the cliff. Showed it 27 times. Right, but, but that right. goes to, I, 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 I'm not going to speak to people's uh, intelligence going one way or the other, but when the 24-hour news cycle commenced in the early 80s or mid-80s with Ted Turner, Ted Turner. it did change the way <clears throat> I think news was edited from the inside out, right? Where instead of it being we have a half hour or we have whatever, we we have to decide what's newsworthy, it became, well, we have to keep showing stuff. We just have to keep showing right. stuff. Yeah. Well, Creating but, but Judy's show uh, on, on, on Channel 5, uh, it ran one hour. Mm-hmm. Right. And they gave you reviews of movies. They yeah. gave you uh, great stories of what was going on. Music, everything. We could cover ballet. We could cover, cover museum shows. Things that now a news director would look at you with crossed eyes. Right. Right. We also did a lot of investigative journalism, to Jerry's point. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's when you and I were talking about that. There, there, You could assign someone. Now, you know, staff has been cut so much. I mean, because you Cost can get... Cost too much to well, do internet, it. you can get four people in... One can be in Dubai, one can be in New York. It doesn't matter. And they could be put together a news website without ever even meeting each but, other. But with And without any thought to it. Because right. the thing is... If you're just if you're just covering events, to your point, um, Alex, uh, you can't really get into the background or the nitty gritty of it. You can just report. You have a great picture of the bombing, you know, and then you say what happened. But actually, people watching the news, it's older and older and older. Young people look at their 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 telephones, right? so what you're talking about is cell phones versus people in the news. And what do old people want? I'm an old person. I know. All I want is the weather. Please, God, give me the weather. So that I can <laughs> so go I don't to bed. fall and break a head, so, yeah, right? So I, I, I want the weather. I want the weather. Oh, you have some cr- criminals here? I, I, I can get mad about them. Look at them. Look what they're doing. They're stealing from these people. So right. basically the news is getting older and older and older. As a society, though. I mean, the, the, the Xers are getting oh, old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, you know. But getting back yes. to, to Bridget's original point about 
about local news, okay, whether yeah. it's on television or whether it's in local newspapers. The bottom line is that if you don't have coverage, corruption, who's going to watch what's going on at City Hall? Who's going to go? What, the what's New York happening? Post. <laughs> Hardly. Tots and um, pervs. Um, no, it's tits, tots, vets, pets. That tits, tots, is, vets, that pets. That is the mantra of, of tabloid journalism. Tits, and, and tots. And probably most like uh, Hollywood movie studios. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it, we've come to. You're absolutely right. But, but, but I mean, and Judy and I, again, we're talking about this yesterday. Um, you, you know, there have been cases, and Joe Shaw, uh, actually, the Sag Harbor Express, before it became the Express News Group, they did a wonderful panel last Last year on community journalism, and you know, shout out to my fellow you know people out out here, my fellow media people, and it was all about local journalism. And Joe Shaw, who's executive editor of the Express News Group, said that there is a small town in upstate New York, and I'll text him later and ask him which one it was, that uh, was a county where the local newspaper folded, and within like a year or two. Every single, you know, board had become corrupt in some way. I mean, the school board, money went missing. There, there, there was no oversight. The town, the village well, hall, everything went wrong. And there was you, no one well, reporting lo on it. The local news, small newspapers, yes. seriously, are, are the future, or not the future, but at least they're going to hang on longer. Oh, I hope long so, Jerry. Maybe not. I, I, I will. Well, Okay, Judy and I have never disagreed before. So, <laughs> what's today's date? Okay. And, and at what hour? Oh, uh, but I, what I think is that the fact is people in, in a small town are much more interested in what's going on around it. There are police uh, yeah. uh, 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 reports. There are so many things yeah. that people... Who got arrested, who died, oh, who yeah. bought a house next to you. Right. And you, you don't get that in the Daily well, News. You, you don't get that in the Post. You don't get that in the Times. The fact is that they just sit there. Well, I don't want to talk about the Times. Please don't let me talk about the Times. <laughs> don't let me talk about the Post. But the point is, the point is, if you pull back and, and look at the bigger picture, yes, all news is local. People really want to know what's going on in their community. But if you pull back, it's what unites people. People who may have different political points of view have a sense of community yeah, and, when they and when you take that away that adds to the divisiveness of the discussion in this country well wow. you interviewed someone on your um on the podcast yeah yeah and and he was from iowa you... i wish i could remember the name of the paper one of our podcasts is devoted to a guy uh who i learned about from somebody who is uh, now making a documentary about them um who they edit a really small newspaper in a rural community in Iowa. And there were like 3,000 people in the town and 10,000 in the county. And he has a newspaper that's run mostly by his family and assorted relatives. There were like 10 of them putting out this paper. And he won a Pulitzer Prize last year. That's cool. And he won a Pulitzer Prize because big ag agriculture, you know, a big company came into the town. They put up a factory. They right. brought in immigrants to work in the factory. And there was the whole immigrant versus locals issue. They polluted the waterways. So there was the whole. And so he did this incredible piece of journalism. And the paper's going out of business. He's he's not sure he's going to stay alive another year. And right. it, literally, they're not taking salaries. I, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And he that's indicative of what's going on throughout the country. Maybe no, minus the Pulitzer right. Prizes. And, and Leave it to Judy to take the phone out of this and have us all sit there worrying about this guy who's going out of business. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's, no, yeah. no, but, but, but you, know, you know, the, the Thomas Jefferson sentiment about how the fourth estate was essential to a democracy. Right and how oversight and sets of eyes on things are essential to, uh, uh, to fairness. Um, we are in like an inflection point about 
who's watching what and how and and how are we if not the truth if not facts how are we at least having a discourse so that people can have information that will allow them to ultimately go to the ballot boxes and decide on the future they'll look they'll look at the internet and they'll hear from people who know nothing about anything who have you know, you know what the, what the internet has done it's made everyone into a writer everyone thinks they're a writer right i had an uncle who when he got a letter into the daily news Went wild. He was so happy. Now, that same uncle, he, I, I hope he's dead, that same <laughs> uncle is sitting there and, and basically writing, you know, uh, this is the, here's my review, Yelp. Yelp. Let me tell you about Yelp. They review restaurants. What? what, does, what how Yelp, Yelp I, actually also reviews prisons. I would take the prisons over the restaurants. <laughs> and the, some restaurants <clears throat> I've eaten and it tastes like prison food. The, the, the fact is that Yep, you know, he, he, the, the note, someone writes, and they always write in, I was told that I would really enjoy this restaurant. However, when I walked in, the hostess looked at me, and she really didn't smile. So I'm not going to go back here again. Right. You ruin, they ruin a restaurant just simply by, by somebody complaining and thinking that they can write. Well, it's everything, everybody thinking their opinion yeah, matters yeah, yes, now yes. and at the speed of light. And we're going to take a little break, but we're going to come back. And I also want to hear about the um, deep fake. What is it called? The deep deep fakes, fakes, which are okay, really Okay, because this is going to blow your mind, people. So uh, you're listening to Sundays on the East End with... Uh, uh, <laughs> Sundays on the East End with <laughs> Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Ackerman. and we're coming to you on eighty eight point three WPPB. You can also listen to us online at eight eight three WPPB.org. and uh, this is listener supported public radio. So if you feel up to it, please make a donation if you want to hear shows like this continue. And we're talking with Judy Licht and Jerry Delafamina. We're coming from the Bridgehampton Inn, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex, Ackerman. and we're talking with uh, Jerry Delfamina a little bit and Judy Licht a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> she has the bigger mouth. <laughs> the beautiful Judy Licht, and uh, we you told me something about deep fakes, which is on your oh, um, did a, the news broads podcast. Pot- yeah, yeah and it's called the News Broads. It's called the News okay. Broads. Can I say a word about the News Broads? No. Yeah. I hate that name more than anything else. I know it's you do. It's such a great, great site. It really is. It's wonderful. What, what don't you like about the name? It's very old-fashioned. You know, when a broad should be broad from uh, South Pacific. Right. It's a, it's yeah. a terrible name. And, and How about the News Dames? How about the News better. Skirts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about, <laughs> how about the News Chicks? <laughs> but the fact probably- is that... It's a terrible thing, as far as I'm concerned, because it sort of types them, and they're not. They're smart. They're young. They're 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 full of life. And 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 what would you say about that? I would say that it's sadly a generational thing, because for you, it still implies a time that you were familiar with that was before your time. When abroad. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. However, to a younger generation, and I've kind of, you know, personally test marketed this with people mm-hmm. I know, it's ironic. 
and yeah. it's broadcasting. We thought about broads casting. Right. We thought about all those. Par- but we like news broads because I mean, there's it does actually, imply that after that. that I didn't know about it at the time, but after that, one of the really most popular shows on on uh, cable is Broad City, which are right. these girls in their twenties who are you know t- talking about their life. There's an irony to it that I kind of like. I find delicious. And 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 and, and for anybody out there listening who hasn't heard it, where can they hear it? Uh, it's a podcast, and it's called The News Broads, okay. and it's on iTunes. It's on, it's I don't know, it's on Podbean. Spotify. Okay. It's Spotify. Just Spotify. Sure. But listen, it's on all of those. I want to hear about deep fakes. We try to have fun with it. It's not all very serious, although we do take on serious subjects. There's a thing out there called deep fakes. It's Does, relatively new. Do you know about new. this, Kyle? No. F- fakes, F-A-K-E-S? Yeah, like yeah, okay. like false, right. Okay. And and. It was it really came to a head about just two years ago, which is why most people don't know about it. But essentially, Alex, you know because you you've made movies and so on that Hollywood has sort of had the technology to have people say move their mouths and having them oh, say yeah, other yeah, things. Yeah. However, what is new? There are two things that are new about it. One is they've developed a way to do it so that it's not only the people talking and having but it's their actual voice which they've not been able to do before be and they do it by recording right, so hours and hours fabricate anything exactly and what is the most frightening about this is that within the last two years the technology has become available to the masses i mean you'd have to know what you're doing obviously you and i probably couldn't do it but people but who R- are really Russian good on online could do it it's an app right. and, it's and, an app and so it furthers this idea of a post-truth reality. Exactly, because if, you know, it used to be, you, you can believe, if you see it, you can believe it. Now, if you see right. it and hear it, you can't believe it. You know what's it. really funny is, is uh, you know, uh, books and book publishing since Gutenberg's press. Yeah, that press, is really funny. No, 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 <laughs> or even scrolls, uh, seem so antiquated, but they're archival in a way, those that survive, that, that locks a time date on whatever's there, and you could say, well, that's what was said, written, thought then. And the next dark ages will happen when the plug gets pulled by some force of nature. That's absolutely true. What's immediately threatening, however, aside from the fact that journalists, for example, people who want to report the truth, can see a videotape and they really may not be able to judge whether it is something someone actually said ahead of state, uh, you know. And so Congress this past summer held hearings because they see this as one of the most serious threats to national security. And the the biggest fear about the upcoming elections, and it's been documented by security people, is they're afraid the Russians, which already very right. deep into the deep fakes, can now pose instead of crude things, you know, trying to incite white nationalists or incite black activists or, you know, whatever, they can now literally fake something. They could have Nancy Pelosi saying whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would people, love to hear Nancy Pelosi say whatever. Oh, you love her. You <laughs> just love, love those say, tough I love women. Whatever. I love it. Jerry loves tough women. And and <laughs> and the thing is, it is a threat to reality, right. to, to to journalism, but more importantly to national security. And 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 do you personally have like where do you come down on like I know Zuckerberg was called in front of Congress in the last three or four months and uh, of this idea of these companies like Facebook having to self-regulate 
They're I wrote, funny you should mention, go on our website, okay. <laughs> the news broads, because I wrote a blog that we posted on that, specifically on that issue. Really? I went crazy. Because we had just done this program on deep fakes, I said, you know, he's mealy mouth. He, who else, I mean, if, if Mark Zuckerberg doesn't know about it, I mean, he's an insider in the computer thing. How could he, it's so, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so contentious. Rampant, yeah. it's also rampant. Well, right. that all right, he. All right, but now, now I'm going to bring Jerry into this conversation yes. because I hear what we're talking about and I think, well, the traditional solution would be more oversight and more oversight might mean more government. And then we're into I'm this. I'm against that. I know. That's what I, I'm saying. So, and, and, and I, I think Facebook. Yeah, I think Facebook is great. I'm on it uh, five times a, a day, hour. But as the the but pixels, as this threat comes about, yeah. well, and they well, aren't they we're responsible? To we're going to have to find a different way to deal with it than just than to tell people they can't do this. Well, you are you've been like a you know a, a media guru for a million years. So we've got the the truth here, and we've got the spin here with Jerry. So what yeah. is the spin that could possibly pull us out of something like this? How do we spin this? I, I have no idea, Aww. frankly, and I don't think anyone I does. counting on you. I, I rest my case. No, but I think, <laughs> no, but the fact is that I, I think that you can't have, uh, you can't regulate people from talking. Jerry, okay? you were the one who said that Put them the in internet- jail if they use, the, if you catch them using deep fakes, they go to jail because it's fraud. But who's right. going to catch them? Who? Well, I don't know who. Well, that's my point. That goes back to my point is, government well, oversight. Th- th- but it could go back to Nancy Pelosi, for example, saying, I never said that. That never happened. What if, and what, then who and whoever that? said that should be should be prosecuted. What, yeah. what if there was something suspect in one of the videos, but then it was turned over right. to a government agency? Because right now right. they are, in fact, working on ways to, to determine whether they're and, fake and, and, and scientists. And we also, and, and I, I've thought this, uh, you know, facetiously is that, you know, when you watch a, a, a broadcast football game and there's 25 cameras and they still can't decide if somebody caught a ball or not, then there's no way to know if Jesus Christ was the son of Lord or if anything is real or not, because they've got just about every angle on something and you still don't know. Well, it's oh, interesting one. And I, I mentioned this yesterday. Um, when we were talking about this, there was a time when we were all around when Walter Cronkite was the voice of truth and everybody in this country trusted him. And if he gave the news, that was that was it. Now you have Kellyanne Conway saying, what was it, the truth? Alternative facts. Alternative facts. Right. You know, what? if the, that's coming from the White House, that there are right. alternative facts. But there facts. isn't, there is, and I'm not saying this in any light way, there is a, a, a 20,000 foot view of the Trump presidency and where we are at this moment as an embodiment of, of this conversation, of this idea that whatever, because he exists in two dimensions on screens to the point in which you don't even know who he is or what he is as a human being, and it works perfectly for his brand. He may be a deep fake that the Russians have imposed on us already. <laughs> but wait a minute, wait a minute. Ladies you were the and first gentlemen, person? you've been listening to three liberals. <laughs> <laughs> calling for censorship I, and one conservative I, I, saying I, I'm no, not, I'm not saying the, censorship no, I'm no. just saying like to the observation of and I'm saying it almost as an attribute that that has not been uh, explored of the Trump presidency is how well he has melded with this moment of history of tribal the tribalism well, but his tribal his tribe right it's 63 
million people who voted for And him. not the 66 million that voted for the other person. Except the 66 million people who voted for the other person, and I was one of the 66 million. That covers California and New York, which take up a couple of three or four million. So he might have won the rest of the states, yeah. but he certainly didn't win in, in, in numbers now, in California and New York. Wait, I want to I wanna bring it to something a little lighter. Uh, which is oh, that you, uh, no, I know, I know, but we don't have that much time left. I, Judy, you, you, you bear the the cross of being the very first person to put Donald Trump on television. I thought you were going to say I bore the cross of marrying Jerry Delphine. No, that no, no, was no. a good decision. We love Jerry. No, I love Jerry too. He's your Pontius Pilates. <laughs> You're bearing a cross. I, I just have never heard that pronounced that way. Pontius Pilate. Pontius. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Pontius Pilates is the guy who betrayed bicycle. Christ and then did this you funny say, exercise. That's how I see it. That, <laughs> While wearing a poncho, it. poncho Pilates. It's exactly. a thing. It's going to be a thing now. Uh, Sorry. Go ahead. Talk about Donald Trump and your first interview oh, with him. Oh, well, one of, the, one of the podcasts I did, and, is, and, and Jerry really has the best line about it, was I was the first person to put Donald Trump on television. I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of this. <laughs> I and I not. say if there's a Nuremberg trial... For reporters, Judy has to be <laughs> right. patient zero Stop or whatever. Right. I, I, I was patient zero. Here, that's what we call the podcast. <laughs> I knew that. Um, it, 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 well, you know, it was a, what can I say? I'm speechless. He was, it was just a light feature story back then. He, and when, it was and the, when, what set the time? It was the, no, it was like before that. Uh, it was either late 70s or early 80s. I wish I remembered the date. But it was when he first bought his first building the, and that, turned that it hotel into the hotel. on Park Avenue, yes. right, that his dad uh, basically bought for him. Well, yeah, exactly. It was all his father's money. And and actually, there's a story behind that. Which, if we had more time, which is which is, does it, it have to do with Roy Cohn? Money. Oh, no, we have to it, come back. No. Oh, right, the city was broke, right? So, it was. Well, no, no, it had to do with the fact that they wanted to. The city was broke. They wanted to develop Midtown. He came up and he told them he had the bank's money, and then he told the bank in order to get their money that he had the city behind him. It was a it was a and, scheme and, and, to and begin with. And as much as I want to criticize that, that's how most movies get made, right? Yeah. Is that, is that, is that yeah. a lot of business gets done right. with the if come yeah. right uh, uh, and confidence. So. I did this story with him. He kept wanting to talk about his next project, which I was not. I was doing a light feature. He was off topic, but whatever. He was very charming, came in in a sort of shark skin suit, looking very slick, very outer borough, although I'm outer borough, so I can't really say too much. <laughs> what, what borough are you outer from? I'm outer from uh, Brooklyn. Where in Brooklyn? Um, in, in Midwood. In, in um, well, it was Flappish, Midwood, I know nothing. Kensington. Yeah. And, and Jerry, how about you? Where do you hail Brooklyn. from? Brooklyn. Lafayette where, where, High School. Lafayette. And Sandy my, Koufax. And my dad went to Thomas <laughs> Jefferson. He was from Brownsville. That was a tough school. Uh, yeah. So anyway, now he's taking my phone calls because, and he's a little bit, you know, bigger, and he's done his next deal. And as you, if you'll recall, the, one of his next big deals was taking over Bonwit Tower, where he, where Trump Tower now stands. And there were very, I don't really remember, but there were very beautiful uh, Art Deco friezes. Oh yeah. On the exterior, beautiful. and he went in. And he knocked down the building, and he just knocks down the freezes. And the Municipal Art Society goes crazy. It makes the front page of every newspaper. Right. Everybody in the art world is up in arms. And I happened to be on a panel a couple of weeks later with this woman, Marsha Tucker, mm -hmm. who was the founder of the New Museum. And Marsha, at the time, the New Museum was at, uh, as at NYU. And was and, new. And it was, and it was new in NYU. <laughs> and so why new? New Museum smell. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, it, you know, they gave her a couple of... Carters, 
NYU, uh, and NYU had to take it back. They were they had no money, they had no place to go, and she was in a panic because they were going to die. So I think, oh, Judy, you're so smart. Call up, call up Donald Trump. He's building a building. They don't need windows. You could put this in a basement. It would be a tax write-off for him. Mm-hmm. It would be give them a space. It would get back his good PR with the art world and right. with the, you know, commi- it was like he would be doing a good deed, and it would cost him virtually nothing. So I think I'm so smart. Right. I call him up, and I tell him my whole story very proudly about what it would do for him. And he, there's a silence on the phone. He said, do you think I give a good goddamn what anyone thinks? All right. But, but, all right. And, 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 and so he's consistent in his cretinness going way back. The thing that frightens me the most about Donald Trump is he lies every single day, maybe every single minute. And, but there are 63 million people who don't care. Right. right. They don't care. He lies. That's okay. And that frightened me more about him and the 63 million people. And what it, but, so what, but what does it say about humanity, though? Because uh, I, I, I have this uh, hunch that uh, people are, are hardwired in their brain uh, about like likability. And if they like something, you know, there's a halo effect of like, I like something, so I will always like that something. Um, and it really doesn't matter what that something does afterwards. And so I think that might be what you're actually speaking to. We, they, people have made up their minds. They like him, and they're going to like him. That's why I'm against political advertising. Everyone knows who they're going to vote for already. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're why not going to convince. A, you know, a nickel on, on he can lie every single day, and, and, and he'll right. be so reelected. Citizens United was this horrible moment just to follow your your yes. conversation uh, of putting more money into the political uh, electioneering doesn't matter people make people people have made up their minds already 63 million people hated everything I guess so much that they voted for for Donald Trump I don't even want to try to change their minds I can't yeah you can't we can't and if and in the next election the 63 million people might turn out to be 65 million people. Or maybe and, there'll be 60 million people. Oh, 60 million people, but he'll still win. And that's what's the most frightening thing. I think, and this is not an endorsement, and I want to be really clear about that, but I think, uh, and I was talking to Judy about this yesterday, that the, the person who stands the best chance, if there is a chance of actually beating Trump, is Bloomberg. Because in that in that arena of those 63 million people, he, his name is on TV, he's a self-made billionaire, and he, and he has like a daughter who's famous. He's got my vote, and he didn't have to pay a penny for it. Right, and he's run uh, one of the hardest cities on earth. But I it doesn't, think he's not an logical person. And that will win them in New York. <laughs> and that will win them in California. But there's someone in Scranton, Pennsylvania, who's sitting there saying, Trump, God, he's great, look, look what he's done. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to be you can't change that you can't change that's deep fakes we need a deep fake to have right. come in so and say, look at look at how the deep fake conversation has gone right to this this unsolvable enigma of of our political uh-huh. I have the solution deep fake Donald Trump comes on the air he says I want everyone who is voting for me I'm not running anymore forget it he has one minute because that's that's the, the, the commercially bought. It's fake. It's not really him. Please don't vote for me. <laughs> so the next day after election day, we say, "Oh, we're sorry. It was deep fake." <laughs> I don't think even that would work. I'd be like, "Okay, fine. Then I am the Messiah. <laughs> Messiah." You know, right. 
Getting anyway. back to your point, and I, you know, <laughs> oh. Judy's keeping us all on task here. <laughs> keeping it serious. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, um, I think to your point about Jeffersonian times and the early American times, in which the South and the North had. They just had a different lifestyle, and their economies were dependent on different things, which motivated them. I think we are now at the point where, pre-Civil War, I don't think there's going to be a war. But I do think that the reason he's elected, to your point, is not just that he's... It's he doesn't like those people who look down on us, and they don't understand our way of life, and they think less of us, and screw them, we're going to vote for him because he's our guy. He tells it like it is. Even though he doesn't, but I mean, and I think it's it's teamsmanship. I think it's they see their way of life and th- their particular economic issues as separate from the coasts and and you know the right. The but it, but it's not as clean uh, geographically as in previous times in history, <laughs> and so whether or not there's a hot war, whether or not we are living in an asymmetric time, uh, this this schism of of perception and belief. Uh, doesn't seem like it's going away. This, to go back to what Jerry was just saying, you know, and so then the question is, is how does one navigate their own lives? And, and we're, we're, we're doing a show called Sunday on the East End. How do people on the East End of Long Island, you know, wake up in the morning and go live their life knowing that this is the world that they're living in? That's the $64,000 question, to use a very antiquated expression. Well, you're a news broad. News yeah, broad, uh, $64,000 <laughs> question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that's the central issue we're all facing now. And I think that by our... Out- do- I'm sorry. How about we outlive him? How about he gets elected again and four more years go by and... Unless he's, he claims that he's in charge of, of everything. Right, now. But, he, but, but he's the symptom. He's not the disease. Right, it's, it's, it's the 63 this million. Is, this yeah. is, you know, so it's not about any one person. Uh, it's about, you know, again, what's news worthy? What how do we wake up in the morning and feel connected to a community? Um, and how do we go about our lives? And, and in the great American tradition, uh, try and better ourselves. I think it's going to take someone like, you should pardon the expression, Ronald Reagan. I know the two of you no, may I, not. I, I, you can, I, would, I, would I think it's going to take someone who is Ronald inspirational, Reagan. who speaks to everybody as a human being. Someone yeah, like, a, a, if Bloomberg could become more likable. Likable. He's not, you know, I think it's going to take a very charismatic, and I don't think it's coming up in this election, a very warm, charismatic, well, unifying yeah, can I, can I, can I, But Bloomberg also needs to have, like, he needs to have, like, a ha-cha-cha-cha. He, right, like, he needs to be able to say something like that. that like, people are like, oh, he's normal. Well, that's yeah. what I said, more likable. And on our next show, Jerry will tell everyone how he almost died when he went to see cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, but this is, this is the big picture, if we look at it, is, yeah, we're going to survive Trump no matter what, even if he, you know, so it's, it's I'm not one of those uh, henny-penny and of the world things that you know i did name the paper the independent you know i, I kind of like to be in the middle i'm Great a libra Th- hey thanks chair <laughs> thanks for thanks for it's only because of the edit it's only because of the great writing and editing um, no, kiss, up, kiss up kiss up kiss up kiss <laughs> up yeah stop stop but uh you know what what the biggest the big view to me is the apathy is that people now know, don't know what to believe that's what we have to get over we don't have to get over donald trump he's a person and yeah and yeah we have yeah, to get but, over but bridget like i i would offer I the hopelessness think, i don't think that people are apathetic i think people have been 
inured to things because of the flood of information. Well, that's true. Exactly uh, the word uh, I was thinking of. There, uh, we're inured to it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I, I don't mean apathetic because there are. This has caused a generation to rise up, whether they're white nationalists or, or liberals, you know, and or anyone in the middle. I mean, there's protests. There's there's young people getting involved in politics, which is the bright side. You know, they're paying attention. People are paying attention now to but, that. But, 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 they're but, voting for Bernie. <laughs> no, no, but, but, you know, again, rather than talk about the national election, I'll go back to, uh, like, the idea that all news is really local and, and to, to talk about this, where people can get activated in their own lives and how you can change little things in your community by being part of a conversation may actually be the path forward so that because you can't fake being present. Yeah. And that's the tragedy, getting back to journalism, that's the tragedy of the loss of local news, mm -hmm. the serious tragedy, the sense of community, the sense that you have some importance in the community, that you can affect change. Most people now, whatever side they're on, do not feel that they can... Um, Affect change. Well, that's and what that's, Jerry just said. He can't change the, democracy. That and that kills democracy. You everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> Words of wisdom. I yeah. can't help myself. Uh, I really like the idea of, of getting local elections straight and, get, and getting the right people in, and not having. You know, the fact is that Trump may be the only person who can lie and get away with it. Local politicians, maybe they get caught, and maybe it takes the local newspaper. Well, well, most people have shame, and so most people have a hard time lying. Not yeah. politicians. No. I'm not saying. I'm saying most people. I'm most. Well, you know, right. I mean, there is there is a, a study saying that there are more psychopaths that are CEOs or politicians than in other parts of the. Well, my dad population. used to say, "It's like if you want to be president of the United States, you just assume that that person is crazy, because who wants to be hated by half the country? You know, assassination attempts and that kind of power and control. You have to be insane yeah. to be the president. So they're all crazy." That's, you know. I'll go along with that. <laughs> so, Jerry, what are you up to these days? We know that Judy's got the I'm, news brilliance going. I'm still in advertising. You still, uh, yeah. I get up every morning and go to an advertising agency, and I work on uh, advertising. Up until uh, a few weeks ago, I had the St. Francis uh, Hospital account out here. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, was, that, that was great fun. I did that for a lot of years. And uh, I... This is what I do. I can't stop working. And all right, and so let's in the time we have left, let's talk about advertising and your like. What is your philosophy when you get an account? Like how? I go to church. I pray. Oh, all right. Oh come on! <laughs> no, do you no, really? No, 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 no. He's an atheist. Uh, <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> my, my philosophy. I, I'm a non-practicing atheist. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I'm, I wrote a column in which I pointed out that I was God's favorite atheist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my, my point is that the good thing about advertising, and I always believe this in Jewish culture, I, I don't lie. I, I, I really don't lie. Uh, I don't exaggerate. I think you could, you could get people, all you're giving them is information. And I think that uh, we built up, but an it, example, St. Francis as the number one heart hospital uh, on all of Long Island and one of the you know, top 10 heart hospitals in the country. And a lot of it came from advertising that mm -hmm. pointed out what great jobs we did. And, and, and when you got into advertising, did you get in as a copywriter or did you get in more as an account executive? I was a messenger. Okay. <laughs> you really worked your way from, out. Uh, literally from one place to another. And as a messenger, I was a messenger for the New York Times. And my job was to go into uh, old department stores late at night, like two in the morning, knock on one door, and they'd hand me advertising. And then I would go to Horn and Hot, I'd have a hot chocolate, and then I would take it into, into, the, into the Times. 
and I always saw these people with their feet up on the desk, and I said, God, that, that looks like a great job. That seems like a, like a <laughs> theme that you like. It's like when you're seven, you're like, I'm for the rich people, yeah. and I want to have my feet up on my yeah. desk. Yeah. I, I, I've very been practical. Yeah. I have been consistent. Yes, you have. You are very consistent, uh, Jerry. And so their feet were up on the desk, and I said, what does that guy do? And they said, he's a copywriter. I said, what? He says, he's a copywriter. He writes ads. You know, I said, you mean the captions? He puts the captions on the picture? They said, yes. He said, that's what I want to be. I want to be a copywriter. So when I got out of high school, I started looking for a job as a copywriter. Took seven years before I found a job. So I did everything. I was a shipping clerk. I was a messenger. I sold, I sold toys in the Macy's, uh, bathrobes and gimbals. <laughs> I did all that stuff. And then seven years, I got my first job in advertising. And I love it. And I what loved was, it from that moment. What was your first famous campaign? What was well, the, the, the first ad I ever did in my life was, uh, and now I'm so nervous because I get this job and I, I'm telling people I can do it. And now they're saying, do it. And, I'm, and um, the first ad they gave me was a tiny little ad for Han Brothers Movers. Han Brothers were movers of fine art and things like that, but they also moved people's furniture. And I took an ad, and I wrote an ad that ran in the uh, it ran in New Yorker, small ad that said, "Oops, we haven't had cause to use that word in 35 years." That's oh, awesome. that's fantastic. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, hey, I was in advertising. Yeah, yeah. It was exciting. <laughs> and it's, it's 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 wonderful. I love it. I love mm -hmm. every minute of it. I had a lot. You know, we had thousands of people who worked for my agency. And and, uh, and what was that? Was a old line in advertising that um, uh, half of advertising works and nobody knows which half? John Wanamaker said that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I pay for half of uh, I pay for all the advertising with only half of it work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know which half. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. It's been so. I can't believe the time has just flown. I mean, it's it's been amazing having both of you here. And well, we both. How old was I when <laughs> we started? <laughs> We're staying. I don't know what you're doing. I the know. Rest of the I day. know. I wish we had more time. I'm going to have to speak to the station about that. But uh, we really just enjoyed so much having a Judy Licht Delphimina. Do you ever go by, if people say Mrs. Delphimina, do you like? Only when I want a, res a reservation at a restaurant. I'm just going to give a shout out. I love when you guys had Delphiminas. Oh, um, I love I love the warmth of that room. I love the menu. I love. Oh, have nothing but good you. memories of that room. Well, uh, that, that was great. It was I, I got to do all the things I've ever wanted to do. I wanted to own a restaurant. I wanted to own a food market. I wanted to own a newspaper. newspaper. And I got to do all of these things and next week tune in on the Judy and Jerry show <laughs> <laughs> no but for real do tune in to Judy Licht and, and Lynn yeah. White on the news broads, the on, news broads. Uh, on any one of your podcasts uh, iTunes and you, you really whatever. do a deep dive into into the the machinations of journalism and uh, biggest you, threats to it but also a lot of fun we have yeah, some funny of stuff course, of course it's fun because you're abroad yeah and broads are fun i'm right. broad too i know and we've had I'm jerry Delfamina, who of course was actually we were business partners yes, we were partners <laughs> that's that so was funny. great and great yeah. fun awesome and Just, wrote that column for god knows how many years yes. i still write it every tuesday i know and it's on facebook it's people want to find it it's on uh, yeah we, 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 no we it's definitely. a blog also it's yeah, a blog, blog yeah. also and right? it's uh people seem to like it yeah I say terrible things, and he seemed to enjoy it. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're the one. Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you're the one who said, yep. if they, if, you know, if they say they hate it, at least they're reading it. Best lesson I ever learned. Thanks, Jared. You're welcome. 
So, Alec, want to take us out? Yeah, everybody. Uh, again, uh, happy uh, 2020. I uh, hope everybody uh, has a good first week back at work. And uh, keep those resolutions bubbling for at least another seven days. Uh, everybody be well and stay well.